Uh, when I was in the hospital, I wanted to get personal on this show, but it relates to this book. I received a telegram from you, and you, you mentioned before we went on that you had prayed for me. Good hey, morning to everybody. Sorry, sorry. The uh, next video started playing, so you got cut off. <laughs> All right. Did it fix that? Yeah, yeah. I, I had already stopped it, but uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Once again, good morning, everybody. On YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Kick, and X, if you are listening to us on one of our streaming platforms we really appreciate you listening there we appreciate all the downloads that we've been getting on um spotify and others and so we just want to also invite you to come and watch us live and in the webcam on youtube facebook twitch kick and x if you have any disagreements with us or you have any feedback or you want to have any prayer requests or just chime in on the conversation that we're having you can go ahead and text us at 833 Two six two six four three one. If you have any disagreements or want to chime in, once again, that text line is eight three three two six two six four three one. If you have any disagreements, make sure you subscribe, like, comment one of our YouTube videos to enter into our T-shirt giveaway that we'll be doing through Apostles Attic, which is the Christ-centered clothing line that I am trying to get started, and it's going to be all based around just. Uh, Bible verses and different things of the Christian faith. It's all Christ-centered, if that's what you're into. Um, or we can make you a Faithful Dialogues t-shirt, if that's what you want to. And um, yeah, so just make sure you subscribe, like, and comment on any one of our um, uh, Apostles Attic or, or our Faithful Dialogues um, videos, and just let us know that that's what you want to do, and we'll get you entered in there. All right, so my name is Austin, and I am here on Faithful Dialogues. I also have my own YouTube channel that I'm trying to get going. It's called MHTY Official, and it's a it's a joke name. Uh, it's more humble than you, but obviously it's uh it's it's just kind of a joke because that's not the way humility works. So hope that doesn't bug anybody. But uh, it's it's all just fun, right? And I'm I'm here with my buddy Ryan. Hey everybody, my name is Ryan, and you can find me over at AIIW.org, or uh, uh, as it is written, most different, most places. So uh, yeah, go check that out. Uh, channel's growing pretty quick, and I've been, I've been having a lot of fun with it. So uh, yeah, uh, thanks for joining me, Austin. We're ready to have another one of our faithful dialogues. Yep, yep. All right. So let's go ahead and get into the gospel message. We are... Christians and we believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and so what I want to let everybody know is there is forgiveness and hope and um, entrance into heaven through faith or by grace through faith in, in Jesus Christ and so basically I just want to let everybody know that God created everything and he dwelt among us he actually entered into his creation through the person of Jesus Christ he was born of the Virgin Mary. He lived the sinless life because he knew that we couldn't do that. And so he knew that we were incapable because we are born into sin. He knew that we were incapable of following the law. So he did it for us. And the only requirement for us to get into heaven, essentially, is just to believe in the one who, who God sent, and that is Jesus Christ. So he lived the perfect life and knew that he had to come into his creation to redeem us. And so he came in and allowed his perfect sinless life to be a sacrifice for us. And he went to the cross. He was examined by all the priests of the Sanhedrin. 
he was examined to be the the perfect lamb for our sacrifice and essentially he again laid his perfect life down on a roman cross so that his blood would be shed for us and his righteousness would be transferred to us and our sin would be transferred to him if we believe in him and so jesus christ was a real person he was god in the flesh and he died on a roman cross he was buried and three days later, um, the, the, they went to go check on him, and they rolled the, the, the stone away from his tomb, and he was not there. The Father had raised him from the dead. He appeared to his disciples and his apostles, and there were over 500 eyewitness accounts that after Jesus was crucified, that he was um, risen and uh, appearing to different people. And so there, there's a lot of um, historical evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I just want to let everybody know that uh, God dwelt among us and died for our sins. And I'm sure you've heard of that. So I just want you to know that we are saved by grace through faith. And grace is like unmerited uh, favor, I guess you would say. And so basically God is giving us that that favor that we don't deserve if we just put our faith in Jesus Christ. So. If you Amen. put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will have eternal life, and that basically means um, you will either, either if you die or Jesus comes back, you will have entrance into God's heavenly kingdom, which is heaven. And so if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you will go to heaven, and unfortunately, if you don't, it, you will go to the absence of God instead of the presence of God, which is hell. And so what me and Ryan are doing on this podcast is we are trying to get everybody to at least hear the gospel and make a decision for themselves, of course. We hope that you would put your faith in Jesus Christ, but again, it's your decision. So I, I would I would say the most important decision you could ever make in your life is about who Jesus Christ is. Uh, he is either just a man that walked around on the earth, or he is God in the flesh and uh, the Messiah. And so that Amen. is uh, <laughs> that is the gospel message that God died for our sins, and whoever would believe in Him would have eternal life and get to go to heaven and would not perish and you will not be judged. Uh, uh, all those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So there will be, not be any judgment for you if you put your, all of your sins will be forgiven. Everything you've ever done will be forgiven uh, by faith through, um, by grace th through faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, Ryan also has a message for the Christians. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that we uh, believe once you are a Christian, you are uh, what is uh, you become what is called a king and a priest of God the Father. And we can see that in Revelation 1.6. It says, And made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So that's in Revelation 1.6. And so once you are a Christian, you have responsibilities as a priest to go out and to minister to your community, to provide the gospel to those who are lost. And so that's what uh, Austin and I are doing here. We're fulfilling our duty in that respect. There's other things we have to do as well. That's not the only thing. But uh, yeah, so I just challenge everybody who is a Christian that's watching this, that you go out, you find what God wants to do with your life, and just start doing it. You know, whatever little steps you need to take, just start down that path. It's uh, It might be a, a big burden to bear, but God's going to bear the brunt of it, and he'll, he'll give you what you can handle. So that's our challenge for you to go out and to minister to your community. If you are a Christian, then you are a priest. 
at the very least, um, just share your faith with your your friends and family that are closely around you, and then move on from there into just the people that you live around and your neighbors and people that you see, you know? Yeah, absolutely. All right, and so we are waiting for Jesus to come back. Um, prophetically, I think that there isn't anything in the way before Jesus can come back. He could come back at any moment. And we are waiting for what is called the fullness of the Gentiles, mm -hmm. essentially um, for every last believer to come into faith in Jesus Christ. And so, Ryan, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so that's from Romans 11.25. Let me pull that up. And it says, Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so that's a pretty complicated little passage there, and if you just take it by itself, doesn't mean a whole lot. But what this is talking about is it's talking about Israel's salvation and what's going to happen at the end of the end times. And so Christians believe that we're in the end times right now, in that Christ has already come, and we are now faithfully awaiting his return. And so... uh like Austin said, there isn't anything prophetically in the way of Jesus Christ coming back. He can do it. Uh, it's described like he will come back as a thief in the night, uh, which is actually a marriage metaphor uh, in ancient Israel, which is pretty interesting. Uh, but so he can come back at any time. All we are waiting for is this fullness of the Gentiles that Romans 11.25 is talking about. And so you can be part of that process. You can go out and you can minister to your community and spread the gospel and it's possible that, you know, somebody that gets saved from those efforts is the last one that, that's needed before Jesus, Jesus can come back. And so I just pray that, uh, that every Christian's out there doing what we should be doing. I know that I haven't always been. Uh, so, you know, it's not, not, no condemnation for me on that point. But, uh, yeah, just go get out there. Go do it. Go, get, go, uh, go spread the gospel. Was there anything else you wanted to add on that or wanted me to touch on? Oh, no, that's good. And um, just for the Christians, um, when he comes back, we definitely want to be doing his will. We don't want to be living in sin. We don't want to be um, just live, living outside of what God would have for us. So I would just say that um, um, when he comes back to find it, there's a parable about this, but when, um, when, he, when he comes back to find his servants, he, you, want, you would want to be doing what he would want you to be doing. And so you don't want to be I, I I can't I can't really think of any other way to put this. You, you don't want to be living for yourself or just be living in sin. You want to be living for Jesus and you want to be um, right with him when he comes back so that you're not ashamed of his coming and you're not like um, caught off guard or anything like yep. that. So just be living um, to the best of your Christian ability in your in your life. Do what um, just obey God's commandments. You know, if you love him, you'll keep his commandments. So. Just do your best to to live your best Christian life. So if Jesus comes back in five minutes, you're doing what he would have you to be doing, you know? Yep. But, you know, if you're a Christian, you also shouldn't be living in fear that, you know, if you sinned five minutes ago and Jesus comes back, that you're not going to get taken. That uh, you're 100% you're right, Austin, in everything that you said. I just want to make sure people don't hear that and interpret it improperly and think, oh, well, I need to be 100% sinless before Jesus Christ comes back. 
Uh, as Christians, you'll never be completely sinless. And fortunately, we aren't saved by our own righteousness. We're saved because Jesus Christ's righteousness is applied to us. But we absolutely need to be going out and doing God's will and doing the things that he has for us to do, which is to go out and spread the gospel and to also keep from sin as much as we can. Right. We need to give over our burdens to God. Help. He'll help us carry them. And, uh, you know, one of those burdens is, is sin. And that that can definitely pile up in our lives. And we need to turn that over to God and trust in him for the strength to persevere through those sinful desires that we have. Yeah, um, that's true. Um, maybe uh, maybe next week, uh, something I've been wanting to cover really bad is um, there's a lot of there's a lot of people talking or I, I see a conversation, kind of a debate between um, uh, pre-mill and, and post-mill tribulation mm -hmm. and, and rapture and stuff like that. There, there, there's scores of videos that say the Bible teaches pre-tribulation rapture. Then there's a, a <laughs> videos that say the Bible does not teach uh, pre-tribulation rapture. And so like what I kind of want to do is examine different Bible verses and, um, and uh it just kind of go off of that and and so we can have like an episode where we discuss what different points of that argument are yeah i i would love to do that uh, hopefully we can get something together for next week but uh i'll work on finding some videos and different things from different pre and post mill teachers uh, i know mike winger did a really long video on uh the different the ma the different major beliefs on the end times uh, so I might go grab some clips from that, but, uh, yeah, hopefully in the next week or so we'll, we'll have something for you guys on that, that we know that everybody's talking about the end times, especially with Israel and everything that was going on over or is going on over there, uh, that, that gets brought up a lot, especially recently. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll work on something for that. Uh, right now, like Austin was saying, uh, we are, we both believe in uh, premillennial pre-tribulation rapture, which basically just means that. Uh, the tribulation is a seven-year time period that some Christians believe is going to be really, really horrible. Uh, and so there are some Christians like ourselves that believe that we get snatched up by God into the air before that happens. There's some Christians that believe that we get caught up and snatched up to be with Jesus halfway through that. And some that believe that it doesn't happen until the very end. Uh, and so we can just kind of go and cover all those different uh, beliefs. So it's it's interesting. Um I don't believe that this is necessarily a salvation issue, though I think that some of the consequences of the different beliefs can lead into salvation issues. So I wouldn't just offhandedly say that everyone who is a post-mill isn't saved, but there are definitely some heresies that crop up because people are post-mill, if that makes okay. sense. So uh, I'll try to look into that kind of stuff. Yeah, and so uh, one of the main ones is um, uh, it, it said like one person would be, uh, two people would be in their beds and one would be taken. Two people would be grinding at the mill and one would be taken and the other left behind. Mm -hmm. Two people would be in a field and one would be taken and one left behind. So it's um, it, it kind of implies to me that there are going to be select people that are taken. And so that's, uh, and then of course the we will be caught up in the air with him. And so, yeah, yeah, that's something I definitely want to want to look at just so I can also examine that stuff for myself. For sure. For sure. So uh, I'll, I'll see what I can do about that over the next week. OK, and then maybe we can um, get together and we'll 
discuss that too so we can prepare and stuff like that definitely so yeah and if anybody has any specific questions about the rapture or about end times in any way please send those in to us you can text us at 833-262-6431 and uh, yeah we'd love to take your question into consideration as we're making this uh, we know that it's a big topic that a lot of people disagree on and uh, we're totally cool with people disagreeing with us on this uh um, I have brothers and sisters in Christ that believe in, in post-millennial theology and, you know, they're just wonderful, wonderful people as well. So this isn't something that we need to divide over as Christians, but it's definitely something that we need to think through for ourselves. So, yeah. All right. What All else right. have we got? Let's go ahead and jump into our proverb reading. Okay. Let me figure out all that over here. So for those there listening, we go. if you want to grab our Bibles and, and join us, we are going to be in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 12 through 19, and we, mm -hmm. are, we, we will be reading from the ESV translation. All right. Uh, do you <laughs> want to read this one or do you want me to? Um, I'll do Proverbs. Okay. And then we'll have you do John. All right. So Proverbs 6, verse 12, a worthless person... A wicked man goes about with crooked speech, winks with his eyes, signals with his feet, points with his finger, with a perverted heart devises evil, continually sowing discord. Therefore, calamity will come upon him suddenly. In a moment, he will be broken beyond healing. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, and they are haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, Feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. And so, um, let me let me hit that in the NLT really quick. So, same thing, um, verse twelve. Okay. So the NLT reads like this: What uh, what are worthless and wicked people like? They are constant liars, signaling their deceit with a wink of an eye, a nudge of the foot, or a wiggle of the fingers. Their perverted hearts plot evil, and they constantly stir up trouble. But they will be destroyed suddenly, broken in an instant beyond all hope of healing. There are six things that the Lord hates, no seven things that he detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows discord in a family. So it reads a little bit differently, but kind of helps me a little bit too. And so there's a, there's a, one distinction that I see is um, in verse 19, when, he was, when it says, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows discord in a family. And so the other one read, uh, sows discord amongst brothers. And so there are a little bit of differences in the translations. And um, yeah, yeah so... Personally, I'm not a huge fan of the gender-neutral uh, language that, that gets used in a lot of these modern translations. Uh, my understanding is that the originals were masculine, so the real word in wow. verse 19 means brothers. And, and I think that there specifically is a reason why it says brothers and not family, because there is a word for family in Hebrew. So if they meant family, they would have used it, in my opinion. Um... And the reason you say brothers is it's way worse when the leaders of their houses are quarreling than when other people, their children or their wives are quarreling, which is bad. But if you stir up 
So like, uh, you know, this is almost kind of like a reference to what happened to Joseph. Okay. So you got all the brothers mad at Joseph. And so they threw him in a pit and sold him off to, to traders that took him to Egypt. Okay. We, we don't hear about sisters doing that in the Bible. We don't hear about families doing that in the Bible. That's usually kind of a, a male thing when you do some horribly evil stuff and, and, you know, and so that, you know, and discord among brothers is different than discord among the family and, and that kind of thing. So they're like, there's a little, there's slight differences in, in the translations. And I'm not saying that that makes it a, you know, a false translation or you shouldn't ever use it, but just know that like the original translations were very specific in the people they're talking about. If it's brothers, it meant brothers if it's, you know, like, it'll talk about families in other places, but just not here. Okay. So just right. something something to be aware of as, a, as new Christians. Sorry about that. So what's interesting, too, is um, what do you think about, um, therefore a calamity will come upon him suddenly, and in a moment he will be broken beyond healing. That broken beyond healing part, what do you think that means? Okay, so uh, we are in... It's- 15. Okay, but they will be destroyed suddenly, broken in an instant, beyond all hope of healing. So, well, I mean, this is talking about worthless and wicked people. So, um, we are all worthless and wicked people, and uh, if we do, if we are destroyed, if we do die suddenly, uh, you would be beyond all hope of healing. Uh, I guess is what I would say. Is that what it says in, uh, let's see, the ESV? Uh, therefore calamity will come upon him suddenly in a moment he will be broken beyond all healing. Yeah, I, I think what it's talking about is... Um, if you live like this, then you're kind of like not a believer. You're not really someone yeah. who's living out the faith type of thing. Uh, says, like it says, a worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech, winks with his eyes, signals with his feet, points with his finger, with perverted heart, desires evil, continually sowing discord. Uh you know, and so it's it's not even saying that calamity is going to come upon this person here on this planet, though what the Bible teaches is that we reap what we sow. And so what this person is doing is they're going about and they're sowing, you know, discord, they're uh, doing all of the things that a person would do in order to cause the most amount of trouble. And so ultimately what, what Christians believe and, and the reality of the world is that there are consequences to your actions. And so the consequences of being a worthless, wicked man, using crooked speech, uh, I don't know exactly what winks with his eyes and signals with his feet means. It's probably a, a ancient Israeli like euphemism that doesn't quite translate the right way. Um, but if you have a perverted heart and you do that all the way to the point of death, that can come about in an instant and uh, you can then you would be broken beyond healing. Uh, the other thing it might be talking about is there is one sin that is uh, that you cannot be saved from, and and it's a little bit unclear as to what that sin is in the New Testament. But I believe that it's uh, the sin of um, blaspheming against the Holy Spirit, uh, which was denying that Jesus Christ, uh, the works that he did. Um, were of the Holy Spirit and attributing them to the devil. So it could be it could be talking about that when it says broken beyond healing, uh, and and I might be a little bit wrong in my understanding of what that is, but I believe when it says broken beyond healing, it's talking about death. Okay. If uh, if did, did that all make sense? I'm not you know sometimes I don't quite explain myself. <laughs> well, too, it's 
it, this was before Jesus even came. So like <clears throat> in the Old Testament, you just had to have faith in that God would right send his like savior and stuff like that. And so I'm wondering if like the person who acts like this and behaves like this is somebody that doesn't have faith in God. And so I'm wondering if that's kind of what it means to like um, somebody who has faith in God, would, uh, I don't think would do things like this. You know what I mean? So sorry. It, yeah. Like this, this person seems like they are um, just finding like, like, I don't know, um, uh, you know, crooked speech, winks with his eyes, signals with his feet, points with his fingers. Sounds like he has like a little code system for him and his friends for like how to like communicate around people so they don't know what their intentions are so they can like, you know what I mean? Something like that. So, yeah. So I was, uh, there's a little footnote um, right there in that, in that little bit. And it says, so it says winks with his eyes and then signals. And then the footnote, apparently signals mean scrapes with his feet. So uh, what it sounds like is uh, you're right. It sounds like they're, they have some kind of messaging system to, uh, probably waylay somebody on a road. So, like, you have one guy that's laying in a ditch that's supposedly hurt. Somebody stops to help them, and then, you know, they he winks three times, and the other guy comes out from behind the bush and, and attacks the guy that's helping. That sort of thing. Might be might be talking about that. Okay. Uh, yeah, some, but, some kind of, like, system devised where they can, like, communicate uh, their intentions with their lying friends or something like that, yeah. Exactly. With with other people who are wicked and evil and trying to do more wicked and evil. Yeah. But uh All yeah. Right. That's why we need to turn to Jesus. <laughs> yeah, we need to let our hearts be um given over to God so that he can transform us and give us a heart that thirsts after righteousness and he he will give you a new heart if you put your faith in Jesus Christ that'll make you uncomfortable with your sin and it'll get, it'll push you to the point to where you do the things that God wants you to do and you're not satisfied with anything else. Amen. All right. Do we want to get over to John six now? Yeah, let's go ahead and get over to John six. And we're in 52. And, uh, yep. 52 through 59. The Jews then disputed among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. I can already feel the the the, the Lutheran Catholic denomination saying like this is um, one of the one of the ways that you get saved is you have to um, what's it called uh, eat the Lord's or partake in the Lord's supper. Which mm-hmm. if uh, you're unfamiliar, it's when you go to church and they pass out the elements or administer the elements where you'll have that little uh, shot glass of uh, grape juice and like a little cracker that symbolizes the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ. And so um, I, I can, like, I know that the Lutherans um, believe that, uh, what is it? 
that Grace goes through, or like they described it like a pipeline, and it's administered through things like baptism and the Lord's Supper, or something mm-hmm. like that. So I, I can I can already see it. So, um, I think kind of what we believe <clears throat> as like non-denominational Christians is kind of just like these. Uh, when Jesus is saying, "Unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you will have no life in you," um, ba- basically, when you believe in Jesus, that's kind of what happens, right? You are spiritually partaking in His flesh and His blood. Because, like, I I know there were people that so that yeah were yeah pushed away. Let me let me I'll just clear this right on up for you. Uh, we'll do a, we're going to skip ahead to uh, verse sixty three, and so this answers a lot of the questions not questions a lot of the issues that. Catholics and and other mainline denominations have. And so in verse 63, it says, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Okay? And so what the Catholics believe, uh, they believe in what's called transubstantiation. And so that means that in in their mass, they have uh, communion. And so they have bread and they have wine. And what they believe is that the priest literally... The priest becomes Christ, and then also the 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 physical bread and the physical wine that are sitting there become, in reality, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. So they believe that in the Mass, while the Mass elements themselves keep the forms that they were originally in, they, in truth, become Jesus' bre- uh, uh, body and blood. Complete heresy. Uh, the, another thing is that uh, the the... The, the disciples all thought this was a very tough teaching because it sounds like, like Jesus is advocating for cannibalism. And the, one of the worst things that a Jew could do would be to even touch uh, a, a, a hu- dead human flesh. Like that makes you completely unclean for a certain period of time. You can't go to the temple. You can't go practice your normal religious routines that have been prescribed by God. It just messes up your whole life when you, when you even contact dead flesh so to eat it and to incorporate that into your own body would have just been a heinous crime in, to the the jews um okay. and so that's why it's such a tough teaching for them so yeah it's literally in verse 60 it says when he, when many of his disciples heard it they said this is a very hard saying who can listen to it so we'll, we'll read that next week but i just wanted to uh, make sure everybody heard that what Jesus is saying is not that we're literally eating his body or we're literally drinking his blood in the literally the next paragraph. It says it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life couldn't possibly be any more clear that Jesus is not talking about the bread turning into his flesh and the wine turning into his blood. Like it represents those things. And later on, uh, so this is kind of like a, preview of uh, what's going to come later on in in the book of uh, in in the gospel and so later on uh, there's a scene called um the last supper where jesus christ is having dinner with all of his disciples during a, a feast period called the passover and so during that ceremony everything has symbolic meaning uh, today you'll hear about jews eating passover they'll eat what are called bitter herbs that are supposed to symbolize the suffering that they that they went through as they were exiting Egypt and going through the desert. Uh, they eat 
all sorts of things on their plate that are that are symbols of other things. Ultimately, uh, they would eat lamb, and that lamb that they had to kill themselves was the symbol of the Lamb of God, and ultimately, Jesus Christ got sacrificed in that same kind of a way. But they're not eating, like, they're eating a real lamb, but they're not eating Jesus Christ's flesh in the Passover. No one ever thought they were eating human flesh. No, no one ever thought that the bitter herbs were actual suffering. It's just supposed to be a symbolic representation. And so where we get communion from is from that Passover meal, from us, uh, uh, some specifics in that, in that meal. And so none of it is supposed to be taken literally the way that the Catholics or uh, potentially different mainline Protestant denominations uh, take it. Okay. I, I kind of see it as like he gave up his flesh and blood on the cross, and when we believe in him um, for that action that he took, that we are partaking in his flesh and blood by um, our faith, essentially. Yeah, and, and that's ultimately what Jesus is talking about, is that we, uh, you know, we, we, we should be taking communion as Christians, uh, we, so we should be spiritually eating the body and the blood of Christ, and ultimately, all of this is happening up in heaven. This isn't talking about stuff that's happening down here on earth, right? Like, there are times when he is, and, there, you know, he does give us commands on what to do here on earth, but this is, is not one of them. Okay. All right, that makes sense to me. Cool. And uh, so, yeah, we'll, we're, we're, we kind of got a limited amount of time today. Do we want to go into... Uh, the news article, or do we want to do some videos? Let's do the videos first. Okay. All Let right, so... Huh. Uh, can you get that started? Oh, there we go. Okay. All right, let's go ahead. Let me get that going. All right. All right, the first one up is Larry King and Billy Graham. All right, so let's go ahead and play that in three, two, one. Uh, when I was in the hospital, I don't have to get personal on this show, but it relates to this book. I received a telegram from you, and you, you mentioned before we went on that you had prayed for me. That's right. Uh, do you believe that there is someone listening to that? I do. I believe someone, that someone, I believe, some I think, spirit hearing I, I believe it is, it is God. But Feel I, the presence. I, I sense the presence of God, but I do not hear any voices. I do not have any outward ex experiences like that but I do sense the presence of God and God I'm certain is with me and when I come to the moment of death I believe that at that moment there's going to be an angel that will take me by the hand and usher me into the presence of the Lord and I'm going to be in his presence and it's going to be the most peaceful the most wonderful the most thrilling moment that I have ever experienced amen all right and so, so yeah I was going to say, is it, I, I believe it's true that when we die, uh, we are, we, uh, we are carried off by the angels. So I was, I was, I was just about to, uh, to talk about that. Uh, I'm not quite sure what verse he's specifically referencing, but I've also heard say that, uh, 
basically uh, Jesus is the one that escorts you after you die. So let me see if I can find that verse. But uh, yeah, so there, there's uh, okay. Uh, I think part of the reason that some people believe that it's going to be specifically Jesus that ushers us into heaven is from John fourteen three. Uh, in the NKGV, it says, "And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may all be, may be also." Uh, so okay. You know, there there are believe there are some people again that believe that it's angels like Billy Graham that take you into heaven to be with Jesus. Uh, but there's also again people that that believe that Jesus is the one that comes down, takes your soul or your spirit. I'm not quite sure exactly which uh, up into heaven to be with him. So that it, we we will have complete assurance and complete uh, safety after we die if we are Christians. We're not going to have some kind of purgatory period where we have to burn off our sins uh, or anything like that. We just go straight from this life up into heaven, into the next one to be with our, our Lord and our Savior Jesus, which is just the most beautiful thing you could possibly imagine. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. Like, So it's it's crazy. So God is spirit, right? And we have spirits or, or we are we have souls or spirits inside of our bodies that dwell within our bodies. And um, I can't imagine what the next life or the afterlife is going to be like where our, our pain is gone, our suffering is gone, and we just have a complete upgrading in our experiences in our body. Like, it's, it's going to be nuts, man. Like, I feel like, I feel like, like, like Billy Graham said, it's going to be like the most peaceful, pleasant thing that we've ever experienced in our entire life. Amen. And uh, yeah, it's just it's so beautiful that we we have complete assurance that we're going to be saved, you know, by by Jesus Christ and the work that he already did on the cross and that we don't have to worry about our own righteousness (laughs) saving us. Yeah, Um, what's 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 also interesting is um, on that note, when Jesus basically said, unless your uh, righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So what does that mean? Okay, sorry, what uh, what verse was that? I was doing something else real quick. I'm not sure exactly what verse it is. Oh, okay, what did you say? Sorry, just repeat it for me then. He uh, Jesus was speaking to somebody, can't remember who, but he was saying, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, so what Jesus is saying there is that you have to be perfect. So that the Pharisees made it their life goal to, to the very minutest detail, follow exactly what the Torah and, and their rabbinical teachings uh, pr- pr- uh, told them to do. And so they believed that there's a list of, I think, 613 commandments. So they have the Ten Commandments, but they've got another 603 of them, or 613, I'm not sure. Uh, and so they, they would take it very seriously to follow every single one of these laws to the letter. And so they would, uh, they, the rabbis would come up with a, a number of steps that you could take on the Sabbath before you're technically doing work. They would say, well, if you pick up an object this big, that's not work. But if it's a little bit bigger and it's this big, that is work. And so they would 
they would just do everything that they could to be completely righteous, to never sin. Obviously, that doesn't work. We can't do that. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so the reality is that the only way we can have a righteous, great righteousness greater than the Pharisees would be if we get applied Jesus Christ's perfect righteousness to us. That's the only way we could be more righteous than the Pharisees. And so he was using an analogy that made sense at the time because everybody knew that who the Pharisees were. You would see them walking through the streets, praying out loud, very loudly, so that everybody could hear and see how holy they are. You know, they, were, they would do all of these things that their society believed got them closer to God, but the reality is that the best that they could do was filthy rags compared to what Jesus Christ's righteousness really is and what the righteousness we need in order to, to get to heaven. Yeah. And then I guess the other thing he was talking about is like God is always present. He sees you. He sees the people around you. He sees when people wrong you. He sees when you're praying. He hears when you're praying. Um, he's just always present and always watching. So that's um, one of the things that has always uh, motivated me to be better is just mm -hmm. that God's always watching. <laughs> yep, definitely. So. Cool. All right, let's move on to the next one. Let's see what we got here. Uh, sounds good. All right, this is um, John Lennox. And where is he a professor at? So I can't remember if he's a professor at Oxford. I know that he was, he has taught at Oxford, but he, he's a professor. Uh, let, me, let me just look it up real quick. Oxford, yeah, he is a professor of mathematics at Oxford University. So, like, the the absolute pinnacle of, uh, uh, of worldly university, education. like, educational <laughs> tradition, yeah. All right, let's give this a play in three, two, one. From where I sit, atoms aren't ultimate reality. Ultimate reality is God who is mind. You've got it exactly the wrong way round. The fundamental stuff of the universe is not mass energy, it's spirit. God is spirit, he's not material. And therefore, I believe mathematics is very reasonably effective <laughs> because mathematics being a product of the human mind is a reflection of the God in whose image we are made. And that is why science rocketed up in the 16th century because that's exactly what Newton and company believed. All right. Yep. And so what he's explaining there is that uh, we we believe in a rational, a reasonable, a consistent creator who didn't doesn't lie to us, doesn't deceive us, and tells us the truth. And so in the 16th century, when science was starting, it was started by people who were religious, uh, and what they believed is that the the universe was rational and reasonable, and we could go and we could figure things out about it. And then use those things to uh, to build up our knowledge and our understanding of the universe. Whereas before them, uh, back when the when you know the Mediterranean was all pagan, when they believed in Zeus and and uh, you know and Poseidon and and Athena and all the other gods, those gods would lie to you. Uh, thunder and lightning. That was Zeus throwing thunderbolts down to the earth because he was angry. Well, you can't go and do science 
on thunder and lightning to understand what thunder and lightning are if it's just some random thing that Zeus is doing when he's angry rather than a consistent process that happens, uh, you know, on a consistent basis that, you know, that makes sense. And so science can only exist in cultures that believe in a rational and reasonable universe. And then ultimately Christians were able to come to that conclusion because our creator has those uh, attributes as well. He's just consistent in um, his application of his, um, how would I put this? Just the way that things function are just consistent. It's like explainable almost. Yeah, so to... so like we know, uh, we know what seasons are now. So God ordered the universe in such a way that the earth orbits around the sun once in a year. And because of our axial tilt, because we're, we're pointed a little bit closer towards the sun in uh, one sense, um, because of that, we... Uh, we can we can know that at this time of year it's going to be winter uh, because we're getting more diffuse sunlight. Uh, at this time of year we're getting you know it's going to be summer because we get more direct sunlight, and so we can figure out things about our world, and then we can count on them because we can count on our Creator as well. Okay, because it's not random; it's all very consistent in the it application. Exactly. And so in this video, what John Lennox was saying is that the ultimate expression of that is, is mathematics. Math isn't a real thing. Okay. It's, it's a language. It's, uh, the numbers are like letters. And so it's not a thing that exists in the universe. We can't go physically touch math. You can't interact with math or discover math from a physical, uh, uh, perspective. It's all in our heads. It's all in our minds. And so, uh, you know, because God is completely reasonable and rational, we know that this framework that we've come up with in math can also be reasonable and rational because it's, it's us figuring out about, a, about the, the universe that was created in a, a very particular way and in a way that we can know and understand, too, which is important. Okay. Because, like I said, the Zeus... Poseidon universe that is not knowable you cannot know what's going on or why things are happening until after the fact so you like like well because because again Zeus is throwing lightning bolts down at his whim and so uh, lightning bolts aren't a natural phenomena they are a product of Zeus's anger so you would only know that lightning bolts are going to come if you knew that Zeus had been angry for some reason I see. Okay. Now we can know lightning bolts are going to come because there's a high pressure system that's meeting a low pressure system, which causes the air to bump up against each other and create static electricity in the clouds. And then that zaps or, you know, whatever the actual process is, I might've messed it up a little bit, but like there is a physical process that makes sense and lightning and thunder will always happen when these conditions are met. Oh, I see. Because you can't you can't be scientific if you have random. Okay, that's starting to make sense. Well, and and under their beliefs, they didn't think there was any science. The the Greeks didn't have science the same way that we do now. They had math. They had that language that they were starting to develop. But again, when you have Zeus and Poseidon and all these other gods that are are doing things at their whim, you can't figure out what the the na there is no natural cause to anything. The cause is Zeus. The cause is Poseidon. Oh, so yeah, 
I get it. That makes sense. Yeah. Thanks for uh, for asking those questions. Sometimes I, I'm a little... Uh, I, I don't explain things very well, so I appreciate that. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. All right. And then the next thing we have to talk about is something that's been uh, cropping up in people's feeds. It's something that's uh, pretty interesting. So... Lil Nas X or Lil Nas X, um, the the music artist that you know um, has some pretty controversial stuff in his music videos. Um, yeah, so he's he is apparently telling people and saying that he is trying to enter his Christian phase, whatever that means, and he's making some different videos. And so uh, we're going to take a look at that really quick, and um, we'll talk about it. All right, so here we go. Father, scratch, father, scratch my hands. I don't know what's going on with Lil Nas X, but he seems to be uh, starting to profess something that sounds like Christianity. And so I'll be praying for him, and I hope that you do as well. Uh, he could be a huge force for Christianity and for what can happen when God works and God changes your life. So I pray that that's what happens. I pray that God truly works through him and in him to achieve his will. So I hope that you all pray for him too. And uh, we'll see what happens with this. Keep your eyes open. Make sure that you don't get deceived. So yeah. He put out a he put out a uh, a video where he is uh, essentially uh, singing in a car and he's got some kind of some kind of like I don't know what he's wearing on on the bottom it but it's, it looks yeah in the full video I think it's some kind of a skirt uh yeah yeah so we don't really know what a uh, little Nas X believes. Um, he, he, um, I guess the, the main thing here is that we, if, if he is trying to come to Jesus or if he is trying to have a faith in God, that he would have a, a salvific faith in God where he is actually saved. He actually believes, um, that Jesus is the Messiah and he actually repents of his sin. And, and, um, I guess the best, possible scenario here is that he would lead other people to Christ. So mm -hmm. if people are, if he's on kind of like a, a pedestal because of where he's at in the music industry and he starts talking about God in a good light, that people would come to him and, um, well, not come to him, but that people would hear what he's making and what he's doing and it would might, God could use that to open up people's minds and eyes to potentially just giving God a, a second look. And so I guess the best thing that we could hope for is that um, people come to faith because they're look, watching Lil Nas X and seeing what he's doing. Yeah, and, you know, of course we need to be really careful. Uh, previously he's done, you know, just, uh, and this is a little graphic, but lap dances on the devil, and or he's been the devil, I can't remember. Like, he's done some horribly anti-Christian things in the past, and so... You know, we need to take with a grain of salt whatever he's doing right now. It might be some other weird, horrible nonsense where he's going to do something horrible at the end of this and, you know, uh, heaven forbid, give a lap dance to, you know, Jesus or something. That would be horrible. 
so we need to keep our eyes open and we need to make sure that we're not deceived into into thinking that he's doing good and then in reality he's leading people away from God and leading us away. Uh, I you know I kind of went through this whole process with with Kanye West. I don't know where he's at with his faith. I know that Kanye did some crazy stuff and said some crazy things you know about a year ago. Uh, I I hope and I pray that Kanye is truly saved and does have a saving faith in Jesus. And that's what I also pray for, for little for Lil Nas X. But uh, yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see what he does. And ultimately what we can do is we can be praying for them. We can pray for Kanye and his family, and we can pray for Lil Nas X and uh, his salvation and, and where he's at with his faith in Jesus. And ultimately that's what we're called to do as Christians is spread the gospel and, and just pray that God works in those people's lives to, to change their hearts and, and, and bring them to him. Yeah. Um oh, yeah, we I, I I just hope that it's genuine. I hope that he is um is going to live out his faith and not just proclaim it, not and not just make it lip service. I hope he's actually going to um have a have a saving faith in Jesus Christ, repent of all of his sin, read read the read God's word and believe it and abide by it and and take it for what it is and not try to spin it because there's a lot of progressive Christianity going around where people are kind of uh, making claims about what the Bible says and what you can and can't believe about the Bible and just like there's a whole lot of it going around. And so it, we we believe that the that God's word is inerrant and complete and so or without error and complete. And so when you see something in God's word, that's, uh, that's how we, that's how we would believe it is because that's what he gave to us is, was mm-hmm. his word. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, like, like so, I said, just be, just be praying for him. Uh, even if it's not genuine now, maybe if he sees the outpouring of love and, and kindness from Christians, it, it could turn into something genuine. Uh, the last thing that we should do is, is say that he, he's excluded from, being a Christian for whatever reason, for whatever sins he's done in the past, uh, he can be forgiven for them if he comes to Christ faithfully and and with repentance. So uh, we should all just be praying that that happens. And you know, if it does, he he could be a, a huge you know force for good to to spread the gospel message and and to help get people saved. You know, that's as Christians, that's what ultimately we should want. And so uh, I think it was a streamer named Gideon. Uh, came came to a faith in Christ a couple months back, and I think he's a little bit kind of disappeared <laughs> off the face of the map since then. But I, I could be wrong about that. Um, what but you was know, a streamer. Yeah, he was a like a YouTuber, or Twitch streamer, something like that. And uh, you know, we just need to be praying for these people, right? Like that. Ultimately, our first reaction to the to people coming to Christ shouldn't be skeptic skepticism. It, it should be a little bit of. Uh, we shouldn't just immediately believe everyone but we should we should want them to be saved we should want them to have a saving faith in jesus christ and we should be praying for and ministering to them in that direction rather than a lot of christians will will kind of just beat down these you know former pagans that are coming to christ uh because they've got tattoos or because they've done horrible things in the past and the reality is that in Jesus Christ, there is total and complete forgiveness. And the sins that we've been forgiven of 
are equally damning of us to hell as the sins he's committed have damned him to hell. And so the only way out of that is through Jesus, and, and we need to be praying that he, you know, honestly and, and faithfully comes to Jesus Christ. Yeah, we, we, we also, as Christians, can't forget that uh, one of the apostles, Paul, was murdering Christians for their uh, claims that Jesus rose from the dead and that he was the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Paul was, um, he consented to the to the execution of Stephen. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like, it's not like these people like Lil Nas X and Kat Von D and these other people, it's not like they're over here killing Christians and stuff, yet God saved Paul and used him to spread his gospel to the to the Gentiles, right? And so, Amen. who's to say who's to say that um, um, these people who were formerly pagans or formerly something else that um, wasn't in God's family that everybody is welcome to come into God's family if they enter through Jesus? Because if they enter through any other way, right, they're a thief and a robber. So. Well, and, um, and and I think that, and and I've fallen in, into this trap at, at different points in my life. But uh, there, you know, there's a lot of people like me that grew up in a Christian household, Christian household, and you know, have always been going to church. And so we might think that we've been saved our whole lives, but the reality is that no one's been saved their entire life. There, there was a moment where you were accountable for your sins, and you hadn't yet asked Jesus to be your savior. And then at some point, whether that was at 5, at 10, or 20, or 30, or 90, you made that decision to turn to Jesus Christ. Uh, one of the common sayings in, in church that I hear is, there's no, uh, there's no uh, uh, Jesus doesn't have any grandchildren. You're, you're just a son of God, right? Because you have to have your own personal faith. And so I'm no better than, than Lil Nas X as far as God's concerned and, and me going to hell based on my own works. And so we should have a lot of forgiveness and a lot of uh, compassion for people that are, are coming to Christ uh, and, and hopefully are trying to, to live a life that's different than what they were doing. Yeah, and so it's, it's I'll admit, it's a little bit hard um, given, the, given the previous, so in regards to Little Nas X, it's a little bit hard. Um, you said we shouldn't be skeptical of people when they come to Jesus, but for me, it's a little bit hard. Um, uh, I was seeing his his uh, former um, content that he's put out and stuff like that, and then um, I, I don't know. I get skeptical whenever anybody doesn't claim Jesus as their as their Lord. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I guess maybe if I said skeptical, that's the wrong term. We we should be wary. I, I'm not saying to 100% whole hog. He's saved and we should treat him like he's a Christian even if he continues doing all the exact same stuff what what I'm saying is that our first uh, what we should be promoting the most well, not promoting what we should be doing is, is is coming at him with compassion and with kindness and with caring uh, defaulting that it's real but looking the entire time to make sure is this real is he doing things that a Christian that a saved Christian would be doing so I'm not saying to just accept anybody and what they say 100%, but a lot of people come at him with anger, with vitriol, with, oh, you're lying, you did this, you did that in the past. That's what I'm I'm saying. We, we shouldn't be, like, skeptical because of what he's done in his past uh, in the sense that we get mad at him for converting, is what I'm saying. Yeah. So, like, we, we could pray for him, show him love and compassion and kindness, and then if he's 
doing stuff to to uh, subvert Christianity or lead people away from God, then we need to kindly and compassionately speak out against it, not yell at him, not, you know, because that's, that's going to turn people away from Christianity when they see someone who, because from the outside, a Gentile doesn't know that he's not, a, if he is or isn't a real Christian. And so all they're going to see is this guy that looks like he's trying to convert and then everybody dog piles on him and yells at him and says that he's an evil, wicked man and you can't be saved. So that's what I'm speaking out against is people that would cause that reaction and, and, and you know, have other people that aren't Lil Nas X be wary of Christianity because of the reception that he's having. Yeah, I I would definitely agree with that. Um if 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 christians aren't welcoming and loving and forgiving towards that then it's gonna people are gonna see like oh well he's getting all of this negative attention or he's getting all this negative treatment if i if i come into christ it's gonna be the same way like exactly you know I mean? they're, mm -hmm. they're not gonna they're not gonna be attracted to that that's what i was trying to say exactly thank you <laughs> yeah and um Jesus is welcoming everybody into his um, kingdom with open arms as long as they repent of their sin and and, ha and believe that he is who he says he is, right? Amen. So. Yep. All right, let's cover something really quickly. Okay. And then um, we'll, get, we'll get off. All right, so this might be similar to something that we've covered in the past, but I think it's also really important. Um, and then uh, you're you're more you you're a little bit better at reading stuff than me. So do you want to go ahead and read this uh, article we got? Yeah, I'll read the first couple paragraphs so we can get the gist of what's going on. Uh, the title is "Parents Could Face Jail Time for Sending Two Emails School Staff Don't Like." Critics sound alarm on California bill. And so uh, we have a picture here. Parents' rights matter. And. Uh, what, is, what the text says is California has all, has undermined the rights of parents from out of state when it comes to experimental transgender health care. But the legislature also is considering a bill that would criminalize causing substantial disorder at school board meetings, an attempt to chill parents from speaking out, critics warn. Uh, the bill is SB 596, which the California State Senate passed in May 30 to 8, would expand state law that bars adults from from subjecting a school employee to harassment. The bill, now making its way to the floor of the lower chamber of the, Calif uh, the California State Assembly, would expand the definition of school employee to cover any employee or official of a school district, charter school, and county or state education board or office. The bill also would outlaw, as a misdemeanor, actions that cause substantial disorder at a school board meeting. The law proposed in the Golden State doesn't define substantial disorder, and its definition of harassment leaves broad room for interpretation. Under the proposal, Californians who violate the provision face a $500 to $1,000 fine, a year in jail, uh, a year in county jail, or both. A second wow. offense. Yeah. A second offense would mean mandatory jail time and could involve another fine. A third offense would mean more jail time and perhaps a third fine. And then we'll read this last little paragraph. It's clear they're trying to chill parents from speaking out. Sarah Parshall Perry, a senior legal fellow in the Heritage Foundation's Edwin Meese III Center for Legal and Judicial Studies, told the Daily Signal on Wednesday. 
Okay. So what this is talking about is here in California, we have had a lot of parents that have started to speak up and speak out against the push to turn our children into transgender individuals. Uh, so right now, this is happening in all 50 states. Uh, so this is not just a California thing. In all 50 states, teachers are doing the exact same thing at their public schools, whether it's Oklahoma or Texas or whatever you think of as the most conservative state you know, in the union. That state has judges and teachers and everybody that are working towards uh, making your children transgender. Uh, also, earlier in the this year or last year, the FBI got uh, caught uh, doing surveillance on these parents that go to school board meetings and speak out against transgender stuff on their children. And so uh, what we need to to know as you know citizens here in this country is you have no rights as a parent over your children when they're at school. You never have. It was always an illusion. And ultimately, what's going to happen is uh, more and more your children are going to become property of the state. So the politicians all talk about uh, children in this country being their children or our children. And ultimately what they want to do is make sure that you don't have any right to speak out against what they're doing in your children's school. And they are going to jail you if you, if you do, if you cause a, you know, cause a disturbance, whatever they define that to mean. And so we need to be very concerned as... Uh, you know, if you're a parent, you need to be, uh, you need to have your hackles up like crazy. If I was a parent, there is zero chance I would send my child anywhere near a public school anywhere in this country. And, and that is my recommendation to any parent that's listening. Get them out. They will be under just crazy influences that you couldn't even possibly understand. But our school system has been horribly evil all the way back since the 1950s. I mean, you go look at uh, American Graffiti. It's a movie made about 1950s high schoolers. And, you know, there's sex, drugs, and, and rock and roll all the way back then. And so our public schools are just a, a system that is designed to separate children from parents and to end their faith in God. That That is the 100% goal of public education. Uh if people can disagree with me on that, but that that that's my belief. Yeah, I think um, schools that accept um, uh, funding or from the government are subject to the what the government wants the schools to teach. So you can't really like deviate from what the government wants if you accept their funding. And so that's why a lot of like homeschools and and uh, th uh, things like homeschools have like popped up like education centers and stuff like that. Yep. And um, they're, they're basically making it to where, so you know how, you obviously know how there was um, re like really raunchy sex uh, related topics in children's books in like the mm -hmm. libraries, right? Yep. And so if, uh, if these parents kind of come to these meetings and try to like talk about it and it rouses up other parents and they get upset. So it, it's, it sounds like what they're doing is they're trying to make it to where you can't challenge them mm -hmm. on the stuff that they're doing because if you do then it's going to be considered harassment and you could go to jail yep and so it's it's a very obvious attempt to make it to where uh we're going to do what we want with your kids and if you don't like that like and you come to these meetings then we're and express that you don't like that then we're just gonna we're just gonna jail you and stuff so this is this is getting uh 
this is going to a weird place, but I know a lot of these bills get kind of shot down when they get further up. So it's like, it's almost like a scare tactic and then they get (laughs) shot down. Uh, sometimes here in California, unfortunately, there's a very good chance this will pass. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, it is, it's a, it's a blessing that it looks like Gavin Newsom's gearing up for a presidential run, which means that he can't be quite as, uh, communist (laughs) as he would like to be. But, uh, yeah, just get, uh, like I said, get your kids out of public school. It's at this point, we all know better. Everybody knows better. Every like the de- the by definition, what a public school is trying to do is separate children from parents for the majority of their childhood. Okay, you're there for eight hours a day. Uh, they're teaching you whatever they're teaching you, even if it's good stuff. You're still not with your parents, and then so you go back home. They gave you another what two three hours of homework to do that separates you from your parents. They the homework that you do after third or fourth grade is designed to be confusing and common core so the parents don't understand how to teach it to their children. And so then the parents look dumb and that just causes the children to disrespect their parents even more. And it's just the the whole the whole public education system from what I have seen recently and, and started to understand is just designed to destroy the parent-child relationship. And this is just another sign of that. The, the, the school boards believe that they are better at taking care of your children than you as a parent. And so if you come in and you cause a disturbance because you're upset and angry that they did something horrible and awful to your child, like exposing them to pornography, okay? That's what we're talking about. That's the disturbance that's happening is these parents believe their children are being presented pornography in school and they're upset and yelling at these school board members for allowing that to happen. That's reasonable. That is a completely reasonable thing to do. As, a, as an American citizen or as a human being in this country, you have a right that, for the government to redress your grievances. And so these parents have major grievances against their government. And, and this bill flies in the face of the Constitution, right? Because it's not talking about the the parents harming anyone or physically attacking anyone it it just says causes a you know causing a disturbance whatever that even means so yeah and it's very vague on purpose so that it can just um every every little thing you do that they don't like can just be thrown into that umbrella term so they can throw you in jail and fine you that's crazy well well, what we'll what we'll see is that conservative republican parents get the book thrown at them and they get the maximum fine the maximum jail sentence but then when uh, leftists come in and take over a school board meeting and cause a ruckus, either they'll use students to do it so that they don't get, <laughs> they don't get wrapped up in this bill, or they'll, uh, they just won't get prosecuted because the left isn't going to prosecute itself under this own bill. Or, or a third option, they get the, the, the minimum fines, the minimum sentences, no jail time. And so that's that's what we're going to see with with stuff that's written in this way is a completely unequal application of the law. Yeah, yeah. So we gotta we gotta be paying attention to what's going on with like, yep. the justice system and stuff like that. Because the more we're awake and the more we're paying attention, the the more they get exposed for the stuff that they're doing. And again, we both live in California. Just to be clear, but these things are happening around the country. It may not be in a bill. But the judicial system is 100% stacked against you. Uh, there, even in Texas. So in Texas, there is a a man whose child who got divorced. His wife wants their 
his son to be transgender, and so she convinces him that that's uh, the only way she'll love the son is if he's transgender. So when the son's around mom, he's transgendered. When he's around dad, he was uh, a boy. This was happening in Texas. The court ruled that the mom gets complete custody, and what happened is she took that child out of the state to California and is now potentially transing uh, that uh, this man's child. And so that happened in Texas. Okay, so like even if you think you're in a Republican or conservative state, there's still all of these horrible, evil and wicked judges and the the whole system is stacked against parents keeping their children from having these things happen to them because uh, they've defined transgender stuff as health care. And so now if you're not providing that child with health care, there's a problem. And so, again, that's in every single one of the states. There is not a state that is safe from these judicial activist judges that uh, apply the law in horrible, evil leftist ways. Dang. Yeah. Crazy, man. So I know you got to get going. We've gone a little bit over time here from what even you were saying. Yeah, that's okay, though. Okay. Um, It was a it was it was good stuff. Um, I'm glad that we talked about everything that we did. Me too. Definitely be chopping this stuff up into shorts and spreading it out there so that people come in and see the podcast and yeah i'm, I'm really uh, it was a great episode i'm really glad to be doing this here uh every week with you and i just want to let everybody know that you, there is hope and forgiveness for you um everything that you've ever done mm-hmm. can be forgiven by god if you have faith in his son jesus christ and he will grant you entrance into his into his kingdom which is heaven and so if you want forgiveness from God, if you want to get right with God, if you want to know for certain that you and God are on good terms, just uh, repent of your sin, just turn away from all your sin, and put your faith in Jesus Christ, and you will be forgiven. Amen. All, all right, is there anything else we need to go over? We're heading out right now. Um, no, I think that's pretty much it. Okay, well, thank you all for joining us for another one of our Faithful Dialogues. My name's Ryan. I'm really, I really just pray that you all come to Jesus Christ and to a saving faith in him. And uh, yeah, so join me over at AIW.org. All right. And my name is Austin. Um, you'll, you can catch me here on Faithful Dialogues. Uh, I also do something with Apostles Attic, which is a, a Christ-centered clothing line. And I uh, also uploaded a, a short recently. I'm trying to get my, my YouTube channel up. M-H-T-Y official. There's a funny short up there. Uh, go ahead and give that a watch and uh, let me know what you think in the comments. And then, um, yeah, uh, hopefully we can get that going. Uh, we'll watch that on the on the podcast next week. Awesome. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Have a wonderful week. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>